Hey, hey, this is James from the editing desk. Before we start this week, we have a little competition we'll be running on the podcast this week. Isn't that fun? So I got an email last night from one of the developers at Giant Margarita, a Hobart-based developer. They made Party Golf a few years back. They've just released their new game Party Crashes for Nintendo Switch, PlayStation 4, and Steam. Uh, To quote the email they sent me, it's a fast-paced, last-car-standing combat racing game inspired by decades of racing games including Wrecked, Mashed, Micro Machines, and Super Sprint. Uh, All good games. Uh, Mashed, I know, is a favorite of a lot of people that I know. So, uh, I got a follow-up email at 12.30 in the morning um, the next day from one of the developers saying that he had heard that I was a huge Simpsons fan and wanted to share with me the fact that the game contains several references or at least some references to the Simpsons in some of the trophies that you can win or the achievements on Steam. I asked if it was possible if we could get some codes for our beloved listeners and they obliged because they are cool people. So uh, in this game, the you can win a trophy called uh, the bus that couldn't slow down. Classic Simpsons reference, of course. And that got me thinking, if, if you, the listener, the person listening to this, the person potentially winning the prize, if you could name a trophy in any video game after a Simpsons reference, which reference would you pick? Which game would you apply to and why? This is the question we're posing to win a copy of Party Crashes. So we have five uh, codes for PS4. They are European or Australian or New Zealand codes. So if you're in any of those countries or, you know, areas, then by all means you can enter. And then we have four Steam codes as well. We actually have five, but I'm giving the fifth one away on Twitter for people who retweet the tweet about this competition. I feel like I've gone on too long now. Our email address is podsinthekeyofspringfield at gmail.com. Send us an email telling us what Simpsons reference you would use as a trophy in which game and why. Uh, We will pick winners when the episode after this one, when next week's episode drops, that means that the competition is over and we will be picking winners. So you've got a week, one week, should have just said that up front, one week, and uh, you can win a copy of this delightful looking game. I'm going to go and play it myself right now after I've uploaded the episode. So yes, uh, enjoy the rest of this episode. I think it's a pretty good one, so have fun. Of parts in the key of, of Springfield. All right, good. Um, uh, we didn't plan for that to be musical, but it is now. Sure, baby, baby, baby. And in today's episode, we're looking at season four, episode twenty-two. K. Rusty gets cancelled. Yes, and then we're going to do my least favorite part of the season, and what I wager is your favorite: the top five thing. Beep, 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 beep. Oh, my phone's getting a message. Oh, it's from the network. They're saying. Ooh, we're cancelled unless we do a very good show tonight. <laughs> well, luckily we've got Ray J. Johnson. <laughs> Someone you can call him Ray. I'll I'll call him Jay. Oh, what? Wait, are we allowed to call him both things, James? You call him Ray. I'll call him Jay. Oh, and you call me Bottle Kite. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh wait, I'm getting another message. Okay, we've been cancelled. <laughs> yes, good. I think that's I think that's best outcome. Cancelled. Oh, and we're getting executed. <laughs> that seems a bit much. You know what? I think both of those outcomes are good for everyone involved. Um, so this is the last episode of season four, season four of The Simpsons, um, and of well, not of our podcast because we've got the uh, the movie episode next week. Well, we're gonna have more episodes after that too. <laughs> yeah, it's just that this is the last episode of. The Simpsons ever. They never made another one. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> so my first question... So this Krusty yes. Gets Cancelled is the episode where Krusty gets cancelled because Gabbo arrives in town. Gabbo, 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 yes. And I, well, actually, I should probably... Uh, my first note is about 
seven minutes into the episode, so I might just... I'll let you take the lead. Okay, this is one of those episodes that, as a kid, I don't think I liked this episode so much. Sure. Because it was a bunch of references to stuff I had no idea about. Now I think it's pretty good. Yeah, sure. Uh, I still don't know who Ray J. Johnson is. Like, He's just a guy that I know as a a person the Simpsons swings against several times. Yes, and the, the only interaction that I've had with him... Is through his references on The Simpsons, and it's always references to the same thing. You can, just call, him, yeah. you can call him Ray, or you can call him Jay. Just don't call him Washed Up. He does three shows a day. Sure. Yes. Uh, this starts with Springfield Squares, where they're all on the beach, uh, yeah, 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 and there's yeah. the people in the fun squares. Little, fun little tic tac toe game show. Now, if they had an Adelaide Squares. Do you think that as some of Adelaide's premier podcasters would be allowed on there? Would we take up two squares or would we be in we would be sharing a square? I think they'd make us share a square. I don't I, think they wouldn't have a share they wouldn't have a square to spare. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I think that we uh, well no, I don't I got think so excited to hit that punchline. <laughs> I I don't think that we would be on the show. No. I think there are at least nine celebrities more important than us. What would happen if they would We'd be on the show, but they would misname our podcast somehow. Well, they can call it like Purs in the Key of Springfield. They'd just be like, Pods in Springfield Key, or just Key mm. of Springfield, they hear. Mm. Like, oh, actually, that's not the name of our podcast. Huh. Alicia Key in Springfield. Um, no, none of that will happen. Um, who would be on Adelaide Squares? I think you'd get, you'd get Keith Conlon for sure. Yes. You might, they might dig out Anne Wills. Remember Willsy? Yeah, I remember Willsy. They might, they might I've get I've seen Willsie. her in a lot of like, um, when I used to get invited to a lot of media screenings for movies, mm. she would be there all the time. And doesn't she tell like quite saucy stories? Ah, oh, she never told me any saucy stories. No, no, no. Like I've, I've heard that when she does those things, anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, Maybe uh, you get Michaela back into town? Yeah, I, I, I don't know if he's, I don't know if he'd be up for that. I reckon um, he would. I think he'd take really? the paycheck. I reckon there'd be. He'd be very funny and charming. I reckon there'd be one of the, one of the local news people. I don't think it would be Jane Doyle. I think probably Rosanna Majorelli sure. from Today Tonight. I reckon, sure, why not? I reckon she'd be there. Um, so so far we've got th- three. Yeah, we've got Keith Conlon, we've got Willsey, we've got Rosanna Majorelli. You think McAuliffe? I'll, I'll give you that one because I'm not we sure. Get, that uh, who's that guy who was on Big Brother? Fitzy, the, Fitzy, we'd get Fitzy, Ryan Fitzy Fitzgerald. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, you're right. He would definitely be on it. Ah, uh, he would um, be one of the I mean, staples. He'd be all over it. So the four more to go. Uh, um, Adelaide celebrities. Um, okay, I think we'd make it on this fucking show. Uh, you know what? <laughs> it, it's becoming evident that perhaps we would. It'd be um, us, the guys from Adelaide. <laughs> then there'd be one more square to yeah. fill. So, well, no, we'd be sharing a square. Yep. So then that's the sixth square. Seventh square is the Adelaide uh, boys. I've got it. Ninth square, final square, Tony Madra. Oh, Godra. <laughs> yeah. Good choice. Good choice. Good choice. Yeah. Tony Madra, if you're out there. And um, to anyone who doesn't live in Adelaide, sorry about all of that. <laughs> don't, don't apologize. It doesn't, doesn't matter. Now, uh, Rainier Wolfcast was talking about his movie, uh, Help My Son is a Nerd. Yes. Where his son returns home from college or whatever and he's... He comes back from a fancy Eastern State college and I find out he's a nerd. And it's not a comedy. Now, I've spent the last 20 years, I think, just imagining this film and just... uh, I think it'd be good. I think a film about a man coming to terms with the fact that his son is now a gross nerd because what it means to be a nerd has changed a lot, I think, in the last 20 years. And, you know, there's a fairly toxic community out there now. I feel like... uh, what I would like to know, though, yeah, is so we tend to see Rainier Wolfcastle in McBain, yeah, which is very, very action heavy. Is Help My Son Is a Nerd an action movie? Oh, is there lots of explosions and gunfights and and I was about to say hoedowns at the OK Corral? That's not an action movie thing. Um, <laughs> is it is it going to be that kind of like heavily laced with violence type movie? Or is he going to be doing a, a more of a drama situation? Oh, maybe it's an Oscar play. An Oscar play? Yeah. Sure. In that he plays Oscar, the father of this nerd. Oh, I thought you were going to say a play written by a bin-dwelling grouch. <laughs> have you read my play? <laughs> <laughs> yes, it was pretty good, I have to say. Oh, well, thank you. Mm. 
uh, you know what they say, one man's trash is another man's treasure, which is actually the name of my play. Mm, mm. Pretty on the nose name, to be honest. Mm. Mm. Uh, so, what happens in this episode? Krusty gets cancelled because of Gapo. Uh, I feel like we should talk about Gapo a bit. The, the, the setup is very quick and efficient here. It is efficient. Also, very good early insight into viral marketing, I think. Yes. It reminds me, do you remember those coffee ads from like 2003, 2004 for Riva Coffee, I think it was, where they were setting, it was advertised very much like this, where you would just see like the word Riva, like, what is this? Oh, What's going on? Sure. Weeks and weeks. And it's like, oh, it's an instant coffee. Who the fuck cares? Yeah. Throw it in the bin. That's... And then this sort of plot emerged and it was garbage. I think the coffee business failed. Mm. Very much like that. I love that uh, we see old mate Burnsy, Mr. Burns, making a little appearance mm. here. Hearing about Gabo and saying, Smithers, Garbo is coming. And then mm. we see him straighten his tie and try and, to and like, poli- wax, yeah. polish his head. Yes. Um, he wants a slice of that Greta Garbo magic. He does. And then, of course, eventually, after this very quick, efficient setup, we meet Gabo. Mm. And Gabo is a fucking nightmare. Um, the My first question with Gabo is... Um, uh, Ostensibly, he's a ventriloquist puppet yeah. who doesn't require puppeteering to move mm. and talks independently of his puppeteer. Yes. Arthur Crandall. Sentient living puppet thing? This is one of my notes as well. I want to talk about this... Potential split personality puppeteer? This horrifying freak of a creature that is haunting Springfield. Mm. This terrifying nightmare aberration this thing that should not exist yes this horrifying malevolent ghastly beast i do not like gapo do you think there are any plausible explanations as for where gabo may have received these powers from have you got any leads that you're working on about oh the source from whence these powers came i mean there's a few different ways I think that this this puppet could have gained sentience. Sure. It could be that in the boiling over omelette flipped universe where the two universes are colliding against each other, yeah. the soul of a boy and a puppet got melted together. Oh, the fly That's a possibility, style. yes. Yes. Uh, it could be, of course, an experiment by Dr. Colossus that has uh, gone rampant. This could be what happens to a boy raised in the Monroe box, of course. Interesting. That's a possibility. Well, as in a boy who's raised in the torturous social isolation of a Monroe box develops puppet-like characteristics. Yeah, it becomes wooden. Becomes and, uh, wooden. I mean, there's the possibility of like a new thing we well, haven't even considered here. Well, if, if, if you were in a Monroe box, wouldn't you turn out like a puppet? Wooden. Wouldn't 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 you? I understand. (sighs) That wasn't worth the the derailing. (laughs) I'm just trying to think. Like, is this some sort of new thing? Is this like uh, it in the movie It or the book It with It in it? The clown, the the Pennywise. Yeah, is this like some sort of malevolent force that has formed under the town, and the children need to perform the ritual of Chud to remove it? Chud. Yeah, the the ritual of Chud. Have you read it? No. Okay, we'll add that to the um <laughs> to this book club that oh, you proposed that, that, last to episode. The, to the book club. Yeah, yeah it's okay. like twelve hundred pages, but it's very good. <laughs> That's about eleven hundred and fifty more pages than I want to read. I think um look, I I think Gabo is a force for evil, and I think we should dedicate ourselves to hunting him down and putting a stop to him. Okay. Do yeah. we? But I suppose my question is: Do we focus our attacks on Gabo, or do we have to take down this so-called Arthur Crandall? Arthur Crandall is the puppet, I think. I do, what, fuck. Yeah. Wait. I think so, Gabo is controlling Arthur. Jesus. Uh, I think maybe we need to get in contact with R.L. Stein. I think you know he's dealt with Slappy before. He'll know what to do, or oh, yeah. he'll good at old, least have some leads. Good old R.L. Stein. I saw that Goosebumps movie where Jack Black played R.L. Stein. I feel like uh, you know that gave us some good pointers for maybe how to deal with a creature like this. Okay, it is disturbing to me that this episode ends without Gabo being killed because that is interesting. Yeah, 
Um, Obviously, somebody needs to do something about this little puppet boy running around making I, a, I making a nuisance of himself. I think it's very interesting that you have suggested that Arthur Crandall is the puppet because yeah. then it's almost like we are the puppeteer who lives inside a puppet. Yeah. Who are we to puppet the puppeteers? Exactly, yeah. Who's really pulling the strings here, Nick? Oh, I was trying to do a sneaky peek thing. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, good. <laughs> I, was, I was assuming you were going to pick it up and run with it. but <laughs> I mean, if we do actually look at Twin Peaks, where we have the tulpas that are created within the lodge, and we have, you know, the entities that are being controlled by Bob, but, you know, how much Bob is, you know, driving the entities that he's in control of, and how much... They're acting of their own will and simply being uh, influenced by Bob. Look, there's a lot we can get into. I I don't think I don't think that Gabbo is an entity or a denizen of the lodge necessarily. I don't think he's in line with like the jumping man or the dancing man or the arm or, or the any falling of those man figures. from nine eleven. <laughs> Jesus. We're like the dream. Dreams and then lives inside a dream. Speaking of puppets, um, Krusty's puppet is called Alphonse, and that's very good. <laughs> that scene is um, that is a really, good, that is a good name for a puppet. There was a few months ago, uh, my friend Lucy, Lucy, if you're out there, uh, she posted posted a gif of that scene. I just waved at the microphone then. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> She posted a gif of that scene on Twitter in a conversation we were having, and I messaged her like six hours later saying, just so you know, I've been thinking about that scene all day, <laughs> just intimately laughing. It is a very, very good scene, especially because when the when Krusty eventually kicks the puppet into the crowd, the puppet looks so incredibly haggard by the time it hits the bench. Yeah. It pulls up, what are you scared of? See? He's dead. <laughs> it into the crowd and it's been so completely fucked his jaw broke off much like the tractor in the previous episode whacking day two episodes ago yes good i like it i really enjoy this ongoing thing in season four where every time bumblebee man comes on tv everyone really enjoys it yes in this one bumblebee man just takes a face full of eggs yes crusty has a bit of a chuckle mm. i like it bumblebee man is good bumblebee man uh, Quimby using Gabbo, who is a demon, to justify the murder of his enemies when he says, I'm a bad little boy. Yeah. That feels true. Yeah, that feels about right, doesn't yeah. it? Yeah. That Take definitely it, seems like a thing that is happening. Taking, taking a, a, a pop culture catchphrase and using it to justify the killing of people. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, if, if we're not at that stage now, we're not far away from that stage. Yeah. And as far as I'm concerned, like the only justified murder will be of Gabbo himself. Interesting. Yeah. Of Greta Garbo? No. Good. <laughs> Is Greta Garbo still alive? Excellent question. <laughs> Gotta look it up and they've been dead since like 1976, I'm sure. In this episode, we get uh, we get a look at Worker and Parasite. I've got some interesting things to say about... Uh, she died in 1990. There we go. I've got something to say about Worker and Parasite. Mm-hmm. Do you remember a long time ago... I talked about the cartoon Crazy Cat yes. and how it has a very uh, toxic representation of a relationship. The art style in Crazy Cat, which I'm not sure if I ever showed you Crazy Cat, the art style in Crazy Cat is almost identical to the art style in Worker and Parasite. Mm. That's interesting. Which makes me wonder if perhaps Worker and Parasite is a version of Crazy Cat within the universe of The Simpsons. Cool. I enjoy Worker and Parasite because uh, one of them... I've always thought it's probably Parasite. I'm not sure which is which, really, but uh, towards the end, one of them just starts growling incoherently. That I mean, it's like, arr, 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 and see, I enjoy that. Yeah, I. I showing me Crazy Cat here. Yeah, I am. I'm gonna find a mod. These are all the, like 1916. They're older than I'm thinking. What are you maybe, looking for, Crazy Cat this. and Ignis Mouse at the circus? Ignis. Oh, King Features. Crazy Cat intro. Okay, okay, what are we watching? Oh, there's a little mouse cre- That doesn't so, look anything like Worker and Parasite. Ignats. Well, normally... Oh, that's like, a very coquettish cat. That's weird. That is a coquettish cat. Yeah, see... Ah, oh, he's showing his butt to the mouse. No, that's the she. And she's in love with the mouse who keeps throwing bricks at his head. <laughs> I don't the, like that. Yeah, I know. So that's the toxic thing I'm talking about. The, the tricky part, though, is that didn't have any buildings in it. I want... Because it's the buildings <laughs> in Crazy Cat that remind me of Worker and Parasite. <laughs> okay. Uh... Worker and Parasite, I think, 
watching this, I was thinking, these characters, they should have their own, like, indie platformer, I think. They should have a video game. Who, Worker and Parasite? Yeah, I think you could make a great video game with that art style about these characters. Yeah, I would agree, actually. So, EA, if you're listening, I believe you still have the rise to The Simpsons. Uh, you have that, like, indie label that you do some stuff through now. You did Fee and Unravel. You know, do a Worker and Parasite game. See, this this kind of, the art style of the buildings and stuff. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, it just it just feels oh, that kind is, of... Is that a cat that I'm looking at right yeah, now? Yeah, that's, that's, that's crazy cat. That's a distressing design. And that's Ignatz it looks like the, Homer. Ignatz the mouse. Okay. That's the jerky, abusive mouse. But yeah, anyway, that, that's what I thought. Especially this, this, the shading here. That shading there is all very um, worker and parasite Stop hitting the cat with bricks. No, what is the show about that? That's his, that's his entire thing. He throws bricks at the cat and the cat loves it. That's so specific and weird. I know. Oh, what a cursed show. Should we do a crazy cat pod called Crazy Pod? <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep working on the name. Podsy Cats. <laughs> Okay. Crazy cross, Cat gets cancelled. Cross that out. Um, I've never liked the insult. So, let me clarify. I like insults. Some of them. Okay. Some of them are You terrible. jerk. Yeah, thanks. Yeah. I'm into it. Um, I love too into it, frankly. Don't like the insult, son of a bitch. No? Because it's saying nothing about the person you're insulting. It's just having a crack at their mum. Sure, okay. And I find that fucking weird. Does the phrase son of a bitch appear in this episode? SOB. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That'll oh, order hold the little... All the children in Springfield are SOBs. I'm Yabbo. Yeah. I'm a demon. Yabbo? Is that the Swedish iteration of Gabbo? <laughs> I believe I said Gabbo. Oh, sorry. I heard it as a yeah. Yeah, his name is Labbo, and he's a series of a cardboard constructions released oh, by Nintendo. Of course, a fun little thing for children to construct and then destroy. Yeah. Um, I'm getting the third pack sent to me on Monday for review. I'm looking forward to it. The third pack? What did you think of the two pack? Well, I, I liked the one pack. Two pack? Uh, I mean, it's it's sad what happened to him, but his Labbo set was not so good. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Very good. Um, I mean, the problem... I really found it sensitive way of working around that, I think. Yeah, the problem with the, the, the two pack Labbo kit is that it's always difficult to know what to do when you go back to it, because... Uh, thing is all things will never be the same. Uh, yeah, I, I that's can't just the way it is. Because that's just the way it is. Yeah. Um, hey, this is broken. Why doesn't it work? Well, that's just the way it is. Uh, um, SOBs don't like that insult. I do like the guy that says, "No, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm quite lowbrow." <laughs> oh well, someone just wrote an amusing limerick, uh, limerick on the men's bathroom. This I gotta see. Now that I know that that is based on a real incident where. Somebody, like, after a show ended, did actually say, you know, that ought to hold the SOBs for another week. It was a children's oh. presenter. One of those things that I probably should have looked up before saying this. Sure. Just um, one of those things that is, you know, baked into my brain at this point. Just one of those memories I have of a thing being a thing. That's just the way it is. Things will never be the same. When Krusty's going around to uh, meet all of, his, all of his showbiz buddies, and he goes to Johnny Carson's house... I thought this is a real power play on the part of Johnny Carson and the makers of the show. Sure. Did you notice that when they first have that scene, they don't actually reference him by name? He just goes to Johnny Carson's house and hangs out with Johnny Carson. At no oh. point is the name Johnny Carson mentioned. That's Later they call him Johnny. Mm-hmm. But uh, they're so reliant on people knowing who Johnny Carson is and being able to recognize him. Sure. And I was just thinking, how powerful a figure Johnny Carson must have been at this point in time mm. where they don't even need to say this is Johnny Carson. That's a re- yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. It's a very good point. Johnny Carson, one of the four guest stars in this episode who has since died. Oh, are you saying that this is um uh are you saying that this is some kind of cursed episode? Well, what I'm saying Nick is that uh you know, the, the whole thing about how the Simpsons, uh, you know, time is completely broken in this world. Yes, and yes, yes. You, you know, this is, I don't know, it's weird now that this is all sort of, you know, meant to be happening sort of concurrently with the modern episodes. As yeah. we know from Camp Krusty, that episode Whoa. set the day after Camp Krusty or whatever the fuck. But Hugh Hefner, Elizabeth Taylor, Johnny Carson and Barry White have all died since this episode came out. I have to say that uh, Snopes.com says the rumour about... Well, it started raining. It has. Hang on, let's just go quiet for a moment. I'm going to turn the gain up. That sounds really nice. Put those on. 
Ooh. Ooh. And it got really heavy as you put them on. Oh, that's nice. All I'm right. just thinking about the fact that I have to go home after this fight. <laughs> yeah, there is that. <laughs> I was going to enjoy listening to the rain some more. Level, level, how are yes, our levels? That's, that's where it tends to go. Um, Alright, well the listeners could, I mean, sorry to anyone that's not on board with that. I think it's hailing. I'm just going to pull up the blinds and check. Should we maybe pause for a moment? Who cares? <laughs> Possibly me, the listeners, who knows? It is hailing. It's definitely hailing. Wow. Wow. Alright, that's fine. Um, anyway it's a nice bit of atmosphere it's a nice bit of atmosphere I think that's the first time it's hailed this year and we're in spring yeah that's weird anyway and it was sunny and nice before sunny and nice sunny and nice my favourite TV duo uh, yeah that's before um, before he met Cher yeah Um, So, uh, the rumour is that a children's radio host by the name of Uncle Don, thinking that his microphone had been turned off, uh, wrapped up his broadcast by inadvertently blurting over the air, there, that ought to hold the little bastards. Okay. And Snopes declares that as being false. Okay, well at least the incident in The Simpsons is based on that false rumour then. It is, it is, it is. Yes. Uh, So yeah, Johnny Carson, power play, SOBs, good stuff. Now... There's a line in here where Bun Lisa are arguing about whether two wrongs makes a right. Mm-hmm. And Homer yells into the room, two wrongs make a right, Lisa. Now, in your, uh, in your position as a legal professional, do two rights... Two wrongs. Two wrongs make a right. No. Okay, do two rights make a wrong. Uh, oh, do two rights make a wrong? I don't think so. If you've got one right, one wrong... And then uh, one person who's sort of like in the middle somewhere, who do you trust? Is this going to be that, is is this going to turn out to be that thing with the goat where you're meant to change doors? Okay, let's say you've got, you've got two foxes, three hens, and a bag (laughs) of hay. (laughs) And you need to cross a river. Um, Which of them should you just abandon? Oh, I've always said you should abandon the bag of hay. Really? I don't know, I don't don't care. (laughs) I can't That's a good out from that bitch. I can't I can't see any line. You just lean in James, I don't care. I can't see anywhere to go from there. So I choose not to run. How we get the uh we yes. get uh Questy's out on the street. <coughs> He's holding a sign saying we'll drop pants for food. Oh but an old guy's doing it for free. Oh, and let me tell you The old guy. This is uh this is of course predicting the gig economy by, you know, a few years, uh, the complete collapse of the economy. Sure. And frankly, at this point, seeing Krusty, a guy who makes his money from, you know, entertaining others and, you know, putting his work out there, holding the sign saying, we'll drop pants for food. Big mood. Um, I was talking to you earlier about how much money I'm owed by various outlets right now. How far behind everyone is on payment. So, look, if anyone uh, will give me food for dropping my pants, starting to look like a reasonable career option to me. I just want to know what the phrase big mood means. Big, you're not familiar with the phrase big mood? I mean, I can, I can guess at what it means, but there are other phrases that I feel like would serve that purpose better. So I'm wondering if there's a meaning that I'm not getting. It's basically a more exaggerated version of it me. Right. I'd say. It's very much, it's like, I relate to this uncomfortably hard. I would say right. is the uh, sort of, okay, the main meaning of big mood. Sure. Now that we've, very firmly established where the Simpsons live. Yes. Because we know from our previous episode, if you're not familiar with that, listen to the previous episode, we've nailed it down. Uh, How does Bart visit the Playboy Mansion, which I believe is in California? And also, just quickly as a note to my last thing, if there are any editors out there, please pay your freelancers on time. Now back to the Playboy Mansion. I think you'll find they make a specific reference to the fact that it's the Shelbyville Mansion. Oh, do they? They do. Interesting. Uh, I don't know if that's said or if I saw it on a sign somewhere. Okay. Um, I'm. You're going to hate me for in the editing booth, but I'm quickly going to pull up Frinkiac. <laughs> and I'm going to have a look at Clever Bunnies, because that's as close as I can get yep. to 
that thing. Okay, okay. Which, of course, does not be there at all. Aha, here we go, here we go, here we go. Oh, yes, here it is. It's where where the, the, um, the tour bus goes past. Okay. Um, and they say... Okay, so... The, you, so right, fuck. Frankiak is not actually doing a very good job of this. So you see the bus that says Shelbyville Star Tour. Ah, oh, yes. And then as that gets off the screen... Ooh, okay. Um, the mansion. It, it says, and off to your left... You have to Shelbyville... Shelbyville. Oh, Pad. very, very nice spotting there. Thank you. I was too busy <laughs> writing three pages of notes to become yeah. on that line, apparently. I've got a lot of time on my hands uh, when it comes to these episodes. Yeah, so it's the Shelbyville Pad. So that's how we got this episode. Bette Midler's character design here. One row of teeth. Just one big tooth. Just one... Unusually toothy, I would say. <laughs> Unusually nosy as well. Bette Midler is a weird... I'm surprised that she signed off on this. It's a very odd character design. Yeah. Even for someone inside the Simpsons universe, which is already a heightened universe. It is essentially a caricature. Speaking. Yeah. Which I suppose means that it's recognisable as her. I guess so. But it's also... Like, there are elements of her character design that I don't think you see repeated by any other character in yeah, The Simpsons world. Very... Like, the fact that there's no separation between her teeth mm. is very unnerving. Mm. Just this giant white block. Mm-hmm. Mm. It is very strange. Not into it. I do enjoy Bette that... Midler, if you'd like to be on the podcast, I would be open to it. I do enjoy that she has blood on her hands, though. That she has a death toll... Of at it... least... Of at least one. Yes. Possibly the two that were in the first car that crashed. Yeah, if one of them was a relative of Snake as opposed to Snake himself. Interesting. Mm. Um, uh, I think it's interesting that when... So we see um, Gabo do the his little SOB's comment and that gets him mm. in trouble. And then we see Brockman reporting on it saying that has no language on or off TV and that's my two cents. And then he makes the same slip up that order holds a little SOB's. And then instantly we see the expression that Brockman had comes up on the little picture behind him saying yep. Brockman in trouble. You notice they're wearing different coloured jackets, though? <laughs> in the, oh, is there some sort of uh, crossover universe possibly. thing? In the broadcast, he's wearing a blue jacket. In the screen, in the picture-in-picture picture that pops up that says Brockman in trouble, mm. he's wearing a red jacket. But it's the exact same facial expression that, is, that he just did on the screen. That's interesting. I am going to forgive them for that because I very much enjoy these jokes where immediately an appropriate image pops up on oh, the screen yes, during a news broadcast. It is good. You've it's, seen that clip, right, where it's from an American news thing a while, years and years ago and they're talking about like someone who was charged with like murdering a family of five or something. And, and it looks just like the newscaster? No, no, no. It's a, it, the, the picture they put up is like the, a picture of an otter. Oh. <laughs> and then the newscaster's like, well, clearly that, that's not the right picture. Um, so uh, I think we'll, we'll, we'll cross to this story once we find it. And then it cuts to the video of like the otter story, whatever that was. Uh, or it's something like that. Anyway, it's amusing. Ah, that's uh, utterly entertaining. Finally, the perfect joke has been discovered here on this podcast. What's in Kev Springfield? The name of my otter-based podcast. Uh, Mel. Such a Mel. He gets a new job. And I gotta say, there's there's a trope I do not like in comedy of, like, person has a very good job, they lose that job... And then the thing makes fun of them for getting, like, a lesser job immediately. Yes. I don't like that joke. It's not a thing that I enjoy. And this one, it's not so bad in this one because Mel is obviously treated with respect at this this uh, Krusty Burger I think he's working at. Yes. The one that always... No, it's the gulp and blow. Ah, yes. The one that really sticks in my craw. Formerly Chucks. Yeah, my, my old craw. The, uh, the joke that really bothers me is from the Brett Ratner film... Tower Heist, which I saw with a mutual friend of ours because she really wanted to see it, and I just... Are you talking to me? <laughs> what? Are you talking to me? <laughs> There's no one else here, so I must be talking to you. <laughs> the Brett Ratner film Tower Heist. Yeah. I'm not interested in any of these words. I'm, I'm trying to explain a thing about it that I didn't like. It's a bad movie, but okay. this is like... Oh, sorry. If you don't like a film... I mean, <laughs> this was the moment where I realized, oh, I really hate this specific kind of joke. Sure. When I forget the exact details, but like they're all these like executives at a company and they're all like, uh, you know, they're making a lot of money. They're doing well. And then they lose their jobs because Alan Arkin's character fucks them over. Ah. 
And Ben Stiller is like, oh man, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to get this money back, baby. I'm Ben Affleck. My voice. Editor James here. Just for the people who are as pedantic as I am about things like this, uh, yes, I did accidentally just use Ben Affleck when I meant Ben Stiller. One million apologies. So he goes to see Casey Affleck. Sure. Who is one of the other guys. With or without his sunshine band. <laughs> yeah, uh, good joke. Uh, three points. So On a scale of five. That's a pretty good joke. Just getting one is like an achievement though. So, you oh, know, you yeah, have to, yeah, it needs yeah. to register as a joke before you get points. I anyway, see. anyway, he goes to see Casey Affleck. He's working at a, like a Toys R Us now. Sure. Back when Toys R Us still existed. Yeah. And old mumbly Affleck's like, oh, this is where I work now. This is, I'm Casey Affleck. I'm, uh, I did some really awful things on the set of that film that I made. And Ben Stiller. Are you sure that he wasn't more like, I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. So much toys at Toys R Us that I can play with. I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. They got the best for so much less. You really flip your lid from bikes to trains to video games. The biggest toy store there is. Gee whiz, I don't want to grow up. Because maybe if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. More games, more toys. Oh boy, I want to be a Toys R Us kid. Okay, I don't know what that was, but I liked it. Yeah, it's a it's an American Toys R Us ad from the eighties. Uh, there was like, why do I know that? Good question. There was a moment early in that where I thought you were doing a very well thought out parody. <laughs> <laughs> like, what? Well, Nick's doing a really good job of what I assume is a Casey in the Sunshine dance. <laughs> no, that would be. I'm working at Toys R Us. I'm working at Toys. Walking on sunshine. Uh, 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 yeah, okay. Yeah. But, oh, you know, I thought I was going to get more for that. But then Casey Affleck's, you know, he's bumbling around. He's like, oh, I'm Casey Affleck. I'm going to win the Oscar. But then I'm not going to present the best uh, actress Oscar next year because I don't want to give the award to Brie Larson because of all the awful things I've done. He, Casey Affleck's done some shit. But anyway, uh, what was I talking about? The trope is that he's working at a Toys R Us. And it's like a big joke. It's like, oh, this guy had like his big important job and now he works at a Toys R Us. Oh, look at that. It's like, no, get fucked. Like getting another job immediately is pretty impressive in this mm. economy. It's, uh, you know, it's not something to make fun of if somebody just goes and gets another job. Oh, I agree. You know, it's a, he's probably going to be fine, you know? Mm. Yeah, he's, he's working again. He probably had savings. Uh, yeah. So that bothers me. And in this one, it's not quite as bad. Mm. Mel now working at the Gulp and Blow, but... You know, there was that incident recently with that um, that actor who was like a bit player on the Cosby show working at a Trader Joe's or something. And yeah, everyone's yeah. sort of giving him shit. Not a fan. Yeah. Uh, the Red Hot Chili Peppers appear. I swung pretty hard at them just last episode. So, you know, they're yeah. pretty good here, though. Um, my favorite Red Hot Chili Peppers moment in this is when they all come back to Moe's Tavern yeah. after the, uh, the Krusty show. And they walk in, hey Mo, hey Mo, and then Flea just goes, hey Mo! I've always liked that shout. It's weird that they have the party at Mo's. Yeah, right. But, you know, Flea, he was very good in Back to the Future 2. Really? Yeah, I like it because his character, if I'm remembering right which character Flea plays, he plays like future Marty's boss, and his character's name is Needles. And every time I watch that film, like, why would you work for a man named Needles? Why would you work why for would a you man? go by the name Needles? Unless you're a heroin dealer, why would you work for a man named Needles? Yeah. That's weird. Yeah. If I met a guy, I'm like, hey, they call me Needles. I'm like, okay, this conversation's over, buddy. This conversation's... I'm, not, I'm not talking to you. And that's, you know, not me. That's that's not a birth name. That's somebody's decided to name themselves Needles. Yeah, yeah. Nobody yeah. names themselves Needles because, you know, they uh they work for like a needle-based charity or something. It's, you know. No, exactly. Unless it's like um, uh, uh, 90s Australian uh, football player Gary... Needles. Gary Hocking. Yeah. Whose nickname was Buddha. Gary Buddha Hocking. And for two weeks, he... So he played for the Geelong Cats. And for two weeks in a promotion with Whiskers Cat Food, he changed his name legally to Whiskers. <laughs> <laughs> so you think that maybe Needles had just changed his name as part of a promotion for a needle-based company? Yeah, that's what I think. Okay. Yeah, possibly a possibly possibly a record player type company that okay. makes the needles that go on the end of the arm to produce sounds like this record scratch. 
Yeah, that's what I was trying to key up there. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I stopped talking. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, cool. I also enjoy the idea that you're not going to put one in, and then you're instead going to put in a put in a thing that's just like it's editing by James here. Couldn't be bothered doing this. Wanted to make Nick look weird. Very good. I have nothing left to say about this episode. Really, nothing. Yes, I'm ready to go on to my top five. Okay, you're not going to like sing. What I'd like is I'd like to hug and kiss you to the to the proper tune of. No, 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 no. Because then I have to learn how to play Give It Away. I don't want to do that. Okay. I'd forgotten that Luke Perry, when he gets fired out of the cannon, goes through both a sandpaper museum and a... Uh... Half-price acid display. Yeah. Real acid? Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so the sandpaper museum, very, very good. Lots of good sounds as he's going through there. And then, yeah, into a window of uh, the Quickie Mart, yeah. where Apu's about to put the finishing touch on a huge pyramid of jars of acid. Good, silly thing. <sighs> acid, half-price. Excellent. Uh, and Luke Perry, of course, very good on Riverdale. Sure. Yeah. A TV show about Riverdale. Interesting. I preferred Riverdance, the sitcom in which they would all tap dance. It was Michael Flatley in it? I think so. I was watching some Riverdance videos on YouTube the other day. Of course you were. <laughs> I, was, I was just, I was marveling at how that became the biggest thing in the world in like 1997. Yeah, it was like, it was everyone's aunt's favourite thing. Exactly. Yeah. It was everyone's aunt's favourite thing. Yeah. No one liked it except aunts. Yeah. And the weird thing about like, that is... That Michael Flatley. The weird thing about that is, most aunts will be someone's mother, and yet no one's mother liked it. <laughs> it's a weird incongruity of Riverdance. Yeah, it was like they only felt comfortable pulling aside their nephews and nieces like, this Riverdance. Hmm. I'm into this. <laughs> it's got me a bit hot and bothered. Uh, I like the green crushed velvet. Ooh. <laughs> uh, um, cool. And then I feel like the rest of the world was looking like, what the fuck is this? What are these aunts doing? Speaking of, what the fuck is this? I feel like... If this crusty comeback special was real, I don't think I would actually like it as a program. Uh, I believe it's based heavily on the Elvis comeback special. Elvis comeback special? Yeah. I reckon Elvis did a comeback special where he had... Where he... The clowns. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> I guess I can't do Elvis, That's I'm finding that out. That sounded less like Elvis and more uh-huh. like... Remember there was that peanut butter ad that had the peanut butter that came to life as Elvis? <laughs> Craving ham that peanut taste, the peanut butter should. Oh, oh, baby, I spread so oily, baby. It was an imitation peanut butter. An imitation peanut butter, as in it. So the the conceit of that ad was that there was an Elvis style rockabilly peanut butter (laughs) that was very oily, whereas the ad was for a different peanut butter which wasn't so oily. I wonder how Elvis's estate felt about that. Uh, we want we want him to be played by a lump of peanut butter in this I, ad. I imagine they felt very perplexed by that. <laughs> um, okay, uh, top five? I got a few more notes. I'm going to go through them quickly. I got a question for you. Sure. A few things. Do you find it as weird... As I do, that uh, it's very unclear from this whether Krusty is for adults or children. Like, it seems like his kids' show is cancelled. Mm. His show that's very clearly aimed at children. Mm. So he does a comeback show that is only going to appeal to adults. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Yeah. It's strange. And especially when, you know, we see him get, like, picked up for hosting duties at various awards and stuff around Springfield. Yeah. Which is the kind of thing that surely they would hire a more adult-centred entertainer to do. Yeah. Like you don't get in Australia, for example, you don't get play school presenters fucking hosting the uh, Logies. You do get Peter Coombs popping up everywhere doing everything, though, because people are very into nostalgia. Yeah, that's true. I feel yeah. like that's only been a fairly recent thing. Yeah. Last decade or so, at least, I reckon. Yeah, probably. Well, that's recent. Yeah. I, I could not name a single Peter Coombs song. I don't really know what he does. Really? Yeah. That's, I find that surprising. I yeah. mean, I, I haven't been to any I mean, of these... he was, what, like, Gorilla Radio? Uh... <laughs> yes. No, I haven't been to any of those nostalgia-based concerts, but I do still remember quite a few of his songs from when I was a kid. And they're all like, you know, eat a pineapple, uh, uh, like, dance and play a song. What are they like? Are they just, like, aphorisms and... Uh, no, well, I mean, some of them are. Just lists of things that are nice... So, some of them are just a uh, list of things that are 
intentionally uh, gross. Okay. Like belly flop on a pizza. Okay. Um, uh, uh, wash your teeth with orange juice. It's a call. Oh, song. yeah, that one, uh, that one, yeah. Belly flop on a pizza. Blah, 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 blah. Oh, yeah. There was a song, um, uh, Newspaper Mama. Newspaper what's Mama. What's black? What's black? And what's white? What's white? I read all over, read all over, every day, every day. It's the newspaper mama, newspaper mama, newspaper mama, every day. Okay. There was a song about... Um, I feel like 30 is the wrong age to get into Peter Combs. There was the song... <laughs> that's the impression I'm getting. There was, that's the impression that I get. Meh, 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 meh. There was, that's not one of his. There was a song... Dun, 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 ba, da, 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 da. <laughs> I'm learning the bass line for that at the moment because I have to play that at a gig coming up soon. That'll be fun. How's that song um, go? I never man, ba, 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 and I wonder if I could... What is that song? I apologise to everyone for the tangent that I am very purposely taking us down. This is interesting to me now. I only know the baseline though. Okay. Oh, but I can probably figure out the chorus from that. Never had to knock on wood. Because I'm sure it isn't good. Luckily, I don't have to sing because I don't even know the word. Never had to Sorry if he's talking about STIs there. Now the part where you said, uh, "What I'm sure it isn't good," I'm like, "We are leaving ourselves wide open here." What? 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 Oh, yeah. As in the podcast isn't good. <laughs> Whatever it is we're doing here, that was good though. That was a good performance. Never had to stay on track because it's just part in the key, and no one's listening to us anyway. Yeah. Because this podcast isn't good That's the impression that I get We do actually think this podcast is okay (laughs) Speak for yourself (laughs) Okay, last question uh, right at the end, Lisa says they're getting 50% of t-shirt sales. What t-shirts? There were no t-shirts. Nobody's wearing a t-shirt. What t-shirts uh, were offered in this event? No, and Krusty refers to it as the sweetest plum. I hate to tell you, Krusty, 50% of zero, it was zero. Yeah, no wasn't the whole t- point to get back onto TV? No fucking t-shirts being, maybe, maybe, no, uh, no, no. Yeah, get no. to fuck, Krusty. Good episode. Get to fuck. Okay, so we're going to do a top five of the season. A season four... Very strong season, I think. Uh, the very, best one yet. Very strong season, James thinks. I agree. It yeah. is good. I think, like, um, you know, as we've been watching, I've been revising my idea of, like, what the golden period is. Right now, I'm thinking four through eight. It's probably the peak period. Four, four through eight. Yes. Sure. Four through eight uh, minutes of my favorite episode of this season. That's the peak. So, we're going to go five, four, three, two, one. Yes. We're going to have a little chat about each one. Yes. Would you like to go first, or would you like me to go first? Ooh, good question. I you go first. Okay, my number five, Camp Krusty, the season opener. Ooh, Camp Krusty. Mm. Camp Krusty was just off my list. It would be like the honourable mention if we did honourable mentions. Oh, well, we're not doing honourable mentions. No, I suppose I've mentioned it, but not honourably. Uh, Frankly, uh, what I'm doing right now is dishonourable because I should be letting you speak. I like Camp Krusty. I hate doing these top fives. I don't see why people care about my opinion. <laughs> They're listening to a whole podcast about your opinion. I think you'll find I do very little expressing of opinions. <laughs> I mostly sing 90s ska songs. <laughs> That's the place I'm taking this podcast to now from now on, baby. I feel like you need to, you need to come to peace with the idea that people enjoy this podcast. <laughs> I'm happy with people enjoying it. I just think that their enjoyment has little to do with me. <laughs> We'll see. You, you half the podcast. We've got some nickheads. People certainly don't enjoy me. We've got I'm a some, dickhead. We've got some nickheads out there. Is it? Oh, maybe this is two wrongs make a right. <laughs> no one likes either we of us. It. No one likes either of us, but they like the overall product. How very bizarre. 
How bizarre. How oh. bizarre. I hate that song so much. I mean, it's a bad song. Cam uh, Krusty, though. Good episode yeah. of The Simpsons. I like it. What's your number five? My number five is I Love Lisa. Sure. Now, okay. as, as you remember, I said I think it's the best Ralph episode they ever did. Mm. The best one focused on Ralph. You disagreed. We got into a fight about it. We both cried. It was awful. But um, I think this is a very good episode. Sure. A lot of good gags. I think it's uh, emotionally quite involving. Mm-hmm. The bit about chocolate never coming out of pants has always oh, stuck with me. Nothing has chocolate now. Oh, nothing has chocolate now. See? Very good episode. Very Love good it. episode. Very good episode. Yeah. Your number four. Streetcarne Marge. Streetcarne Marge. 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 Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's an all singing, all dancing fucking... It's, it's because you love a streetcar named Desire so much. It's because I'm a big fan of Glass Menagerie, yes. Yeah. The only Tennessee Williams or Oklahoma Stevens novel that I have read. <laughs> novel? Not the right word. No. Um, novella. You've uh, never been a cat on a hot tin roof. Uh, uh, no. Here in a little town of Anagadefka. What's it called? Spanner Karenina. <laughs> sure. Spanner Copita. Spanner Copita. Yeah. Um, uh, Streaker, all singing, all dancing. There's a nice little emotional tug. We find out that Marge really enjoys and is good at musical theatre, and then she never, ever, 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 ever pursues that again. Yeah. She will never, reason. ever, ever. Uh, Knock on wood. Yeah. Exactly. Which I my number four. I'd love your number four. My number four is the Entertainment Weekly's pick for the best episode of all time, Last Exit to Springfield. Oh, I thought Last Exit was going to be higher for you. No, nope, it pops in at number four. Interesting. Uh, that episode is the, as we're recording this, it is the latest episode we have put up was about Last Exit to Springfield. It I was. believe I say that it fucks. Yes. Uh, so there are four episodes this season that I believe I have said fuck. Excellent. And this is one of them. This is one of them. Yeah. Cool. And uh, we had a nice discussion over lunch today about funny tweets we could have made about the uh, the songs in that episode. That oh, yeah, we did. Didn't quite make the cut for the tweet that I eventually made, which I believe was, um, had a go, uh, come gather around listeners, it's high time, I think, to listen to a podcast by your friends James and Nick. Yes. Yeah, yeah good. It's, it's, yeah. Good episode. Very good. It's uh, Unions are important, etc., etc. It's good. People know why it's good. This yes. is a very highly publicized episode. My number three is The Bubble Boy. Oh. An episode of Seinfeld <laughs> that we covered in season four of our podcast, which is nominally about The Simpsons. Something that I find... I don't remember talking about Seinfeld. That episode was about The Simpsons, wasn't it? Something that I find genuinely surprising is we, we got limited feedback on that episode, but the bits of feedback we got seem to indicate that people did not get <laughs> what we were doing in that episode until the very end, and then they were astonished, and they had to go back and rethink the last hour of their life. Yeah, I think I that would be a very upsetting experience. I find that so pleasing on such a deep level that I'm not actually <laughs> sure I can uh, properly explain it. I remember, like, the day you pitched that idea to me, you just sent me this message like, hey, I've had a very dumb idea, here it is. I'm like, I am all on board with that. We need to do that immediately. Absolutely. Uh, what a weird fucking pair of guys we are. Just a couple of weird little boys. Uh, yeah, weird little boys. Speaking of weird, what's your number three, James? I just checked my phone and there are three separate people messaging me about BoJack Horseman while we're recording this. Can I just talk about that? Can I put that as my number one? You can put that as whatever number in the list you want. Uh, I should probably just stick to The Simpsons. My number three is... Uh, stick to The Simpsons. A little episode about uh, hidden some snakes. Wacky day. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, you know what? Looking back at my list, <laughs> Wacky Day probably should have made it in here. I, li- I liked that episode. <laughs> I guess you could um, just substitute out uh, the Bubble Boy. No, the Bubble Boy must stay. Okay, fair enough. He's a Bubble Boy. He is. A boy in a bubble. He's a Bubble Boy. What the hell happened to my Bubble Boy? Dream more of a plastic divider. <laughs> a lot of people think it's an igloo. Ooh, I'm sorry. The card says moops. Sorry, I thought you were going into a Ricky Gervais there. Ooh, Ooh I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. The card says moops. You Ooh. want you want to live in a little bubble, do you? You want to stay in your own little <laughs> bubble? <laughs> he is an atheist, though. That's the that's the thing. Not a lot, not a lot of people know that. He's an atheist. Not a lot of people know that. Yeah, Working Day is really funny. Working Day is good. It just it falls apart if you think about it. But I fuck. Feel, oh man, it falls apart. It fucks I think, hard. I think we talked about that. So recently that it really doesn't bear talking about again. I mean, to the list, it was two weeks ago. To us, it was like maybe an hour and a half Maybe ago. an hour and a half. Uh, my number two is Last Exit to Springfield. Ooh. 
They yeah. made it all the way up to number two. It did make it all the way up to number two. Mostly because I really enjoy Lisa's Union Strike folk song. Yeah, come gather now, listeners. It's high time, I think. <laughs> we listen to a podcast by your friends James and Nick. Mm. Yeah. Mm. They have the plant. We have the power. And then there was that... The power. <laughs> and then there was that... Um, uh, that... that Beatles version come gather around Beatles while we're making bank turn out the lights and let's all have a wank <laughs> good I'm pretty pleased with that <laughs> beep 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 yeah. yeah my number two yes was your number four I believe a streetcar named Marge named Marge this is one of those episodes that you know I, uh, I knew it was good but it fucking delighted me watching it again mm. the second time. My, my notes on that one were pretty frantic looking back. Mm. Uh, just fucking wonderful and on point and a really nice Marge episode. I realized as I was writing this list that last episode I said I don't feel like the writers know what to do with Marge. Yeah. And yet, you know, a little spoiler for the one that I've obviously picked as number one. Both obviously. of my top two yeah. are Marge episodes yeah. at, at heart. And I think... Because you've shown your colours, I'm also going to say that my number one is also Marge versus the Monarch. How could it not be? It's the perfect episode. <laughs> and, and the thing is, I I understand that the popular opinion apparently is that Last Exit to Springfield is the best. Mm. I just think those people haven't watched Marge versus the Monorail. Or that they are being deliberately obtuse in their choice. I think Marge versus the Monorail is the platonic ideal of what The Simpsons can be. Because I remember, I remember at some point in while we were watching Marge versus the Monorail, you said something along the lines of, "I don't understand how they made something this good." Yeah, and I really think that sums it up. Yeah, it is a cracking episode. It is one of the best episodes of a comedy show we ever made. And I, uh, for full disclosure, I say this as someone who has spent his entire fucking life <laughs> modeling his opinion of himself. On being a kind of, uh, I don't want to say anti-consensus, but an anti-popularist kind of person. Yeah. If people like something, I my immediate default assumption is that I don't. Yeah. And and I I thought it makes our conversations exhausting sometimes. But yes, yes, I, I, I apologize. <laughs> I. Thought when we were going into Marge versus the Monorail, I thought that I was going to to walk out of there going, yeah, you know what? Everyone says they love it, and they're all fucking wrong. But they're not. It's, it's great. <laughs> it's, oh, people say they like it because it's very good. Who would have thought? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, have you seen how many times people are wrong about what they like? Frequently. <laughs> anyway, those are my thoughts. Yeah, my number one, uh, Marge versus the Monorail, the best thing that uh, humankind has ever achieved. Uh, the peak of. The peak of art in the 90s, really the only thing uh, ever made of any value by this cursed society. Mm. Um, Wonderful. Very good episode of The Simpsons. I agree with all those things that you said, I think. Maybe the only important piece of work to have been created by humans in the last 400 years. Yeah, yeah, sure. Yeah, everything else is garbage and sort of crumples the dust in your hands when the glow of this episode is shining upon your face. Does this episode turn the things to dust? Yeah, it fucks. It's good. It fucks and turns things to dust. Yes. Jesus. Yeah. Is it like, um, uh, 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 who was it? Lot? Lot and his family, when escaping Sodom, they turned to pillars of salt? Well, Lot, when he was bringing his wife out of the underworld, couldn't turn around and look at her or she would turn into a pillar of salt. But then, like, right near the end, he couldn't resist and he turns around and she turns into salt. So it goes. So the so dust is like is like Lot's salty wife. Is that what Kev Vonnegut has the most fucking beautiful passage about that in Slaughterhouse Five? Ah, oh, it's so good. Is that where the expression salty comes from? <laughs> like if you if you're feeling salty about someone, oh, people who are like angry about their online video game <laughs> like yeah. losing. <laughs> that might be based on the on, on the, the story of Lot and on, his wife on the fable of Lot. <laughs> anyway. I feel like that's too beautiful to, to uh, you know, those goblins. Season four has come to an end. We've wrapped up season four. Oh, 
All right. So next episode will, of course, be a another installment of 22, 22 Flims about or tangentially related to The Simpsons. About or otherwise tangentially related to Springfield. Okay. Well, um, it's very important we get this bullshit title correct. So I think it's probably going to be Citizen Kane unless I trick you into watching something else. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm sure. Great. Can't wait. We'll get like 30 minutes in and you're like, James, is this Back to the Future 2? Why are you showing me Back to the Future 2? I wanted you to see needles. Oh, nice. Um, All right, so yes, we will do that. And then we'll get on to season five after that. Season five, which uh, from my memory might be the best season of the show. Sure. That's maybe. That's an exciting road for us to uh, walk into. (laughs) Yeah. That's one typically does to a road. Yes, exactly. All right. That's why you got hit by that car last week. Yeah. Yeah. And no, it's not time for that. Uh, yeah, follow us on social media. You can email us at podsinthekeefspringfield at gmail.com. It's been a while since I've said thanks to Marigold Bartlett for our cover art, so let me say that again. Yeah. And uh, thank you to whoever composed the song we use as the introduction. Uh, Alf, it's from... Alf Clausen, probably. Uh, Avita Zen? No, as it is, what <laughs> is it? Wasn't Alf Clausen the music guy for what the hell happened to my Clausen? Happened to my Clausen? Yeah, but I don't know who wrote that specific song. Oh, anyway, sure, 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 anyway, sure. uh, Wizard Wazzle. I'll get you for this, Midler. <laughs> that ought to hold a little SOBs. What the? Good work, Neil Pert. I was drumming with me pens.